You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We see in this passage, and uh, I'll be preaching for a few weeks. I'll probably skip next Sunday, and I'll talk to you about our theme, and uh, we'll, we'll do that. But we're going to be talking for a few weeks about the life of John the Baptist. Uh, we, we, get, we talk about and we focus so much on the Christmas story, and we should. But there is something here in this passage that I, it has helped me. I, as a matter of fact, a couple weeks ago I was dying to preach on this, and then I kind of got a different message, went a different direction with Christmas. But uh, there is so much about John the Baptist that can help us today. You know, Jesus said about John the Baptist, he said that there was not greater born of women than John the Baptist. That's an amazing statement right there. And John the Baptist, God used in a mighty way. He was the forerunner for Christ. He was the uh, one who, who, who cleared the way and he said, prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. He said, we gotta get all the obstacles out of the way. We got to clear the road because Jesus is coming. And friend, I want to tell you, we need some John the Baptist, that's for sure, because guess what? Jesus is coming again, and we need to make sure that people are ready to meet the Lord. We need to make sure that we as God's people, that our hearts are prepared. And if Jesus came back today, I want to be ready. I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want to be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised. We know he's coming back. But we need some John the Baptist. I want to go a step further this morning, and I want to say we need some folks like Zacharias, and we need some folks like Elizabeth. When we see these two uh, folks in Luke chapter 1, it is amazing how God used them and how instrumental they were in John the Baptist, his ministry, and uh, in, in his purpose that God had given him. Notice with me, if you would, In verse number five, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea. Number one, if you're taking notes, and I don't know if you take notes, and for those of you that are watching online or listening on the radio, um, for me, and I I don't always do this, but uh, when uh, we have some of our, our guests that will preach, I'll just jot down a few notes and maybe the main points or just a few thoughts and Seems like it helps me to remember it better, and I can kind of go back and kind of ponder it. So if you're taking notes, I'll give you a few things. If you're not taking notes, that's okay. Uh, I hope that you'll listen. I hope it'll be a help to you. But I see number one in this passage as we look at John the Baptist. We look at his life, and this first week, I'd like to focus on the announcement of his birth. It is announced, it is, it is proclaimed that John the Baptist was coming and his parents received the announcement. And number one, I want you to see in this passage, the difficulty. You know, we always think that everybody else has it easy. Isn't that, isn't that sometimes our, our habit or our nature? We think, you know, it must be nice being like brother and sister so-and-so or it must be nice being like brother so-and-so or must be nice being like sister so-and-so. And, and we look at it and we think, you know, I'm the only one that's got problems. Everybody else, their life is so easy and everybody else has got it made. Well, I got a news flash for you this morning. Every one of us have problems. 
Every one of us have difficulties. Every one of us go through hard times. Here we have Zacharias and Elizabeth, and you say, boy, that must have been awesome, being the parents of John the Baptist. Here were parents of, of the forerunner of the Messiah, and sometimes I feel like my children are forerunners for the Antichrist, you know? Some parents, their kids are like angels, and mine are like the fallen kind, you know? I mean, man, must be nice being Zacharias and Elizabeth. No, no, time out. It wasn't easy for them. It was difficult for them. I want, there's a lot of difficulties. I want you to see the first difficulty. Notice who was the king. Who was the king? Herod. Can I tell you, we talk a lot about Herod with the birth of Jesus. Herod was a wicked ruler. And he was in charge. And he was the king. And he was the one who made people's lives miserable. Remember, when Jesus was born, he wanted to kill Jesus. He told those wise men, he said, hey, when you find out where he was born, come tell me so I can come worship him. Uh, that was code for I want to come and murder him. I want to slaughter that baby. And because he didn't get Jesus, he decided to kill all the baby boys in, the, in that area two years and under. He wiped them all out. You don't think it was difficult being under a ruler like Herod? Can I tell you, Herod was a wicked, godless man. But you know what's amazing is after verse number five in Luke chapter one, you don't hear a lot of talk about Herod. Isn't that interesting? You don't hear a lot of focus on the negative. You don't see that Zacharias and Elizabeth were, 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 were fretting and stressing and panicking. Oh no, God can't work today because Herod's the king. Oh no, God can't do anything today because we've got a wicked ruler. Now, I'll say this. I think you ought to be concerned for your country. 100% you ought to be concerned for the United States of America. I don't know if you've been watching the mainstream media, then you probably haven't even thought about this recently. But I'm still praying that we will see a miracle, and I'm still praying we'll see the election get turned around. I'm praying we'll see some, some truth uh, uh, that will be proclaimed, and I'm still praying that we'll see some things sorted out. You say, well, what's the truth? I don't know, but I'm just praying for the truth to come out. I don't know what that will be. But whoever is inaugurated in January, whoever the president is, I got news for you. That is not going to be my focus. If it's President Trump for four more years, I'm going to say praise God. But can I tell you, if it's President Biden, I'm going to say, hey, praise God anyway. I'm going to be okay. Because I am not going to focus on the negative. I'm not going to focus on the problems. I'm not going to focus on the difficulty because God is not limited because of our circumstances. I want you to know this about Herod. Herod was a wicked man. Guess what? Guess who came after Herod? Another Herod. <laughs> and guess who came after that Herod? Another Herod. You, I don't know if you realize this or not, but in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, there are six different Herods that are mentioned. You say, how many of them were good? About that many. <laughs> you know how many were bad? About that many. But can I tell you, the Herods, they come and they go and they come and they go. And you say, well, if we could just get so-and-so as president, or if we could get so-and-so as governor, we get so-and-so as representative. Hey, I got news for you. I'm not too worried about all that. I'm, I'm praying and I'm concerned and I want to see righteous people put in office. But I'm not going to throw in the towel because of who's in Washington. 
I'm not going to throw in the towel because of who's in Raleigh. I am going to keep my eyes on who is in heaven and who is on the throne. And I refuse to focus on the negative. You can't dwell on the difficult. Zacharias and Elizabeth, they didn't focus on how wicked Herod was. They focused on how great God was. Number one, we see the difficulty. Number two, I want you to notice the dedication. The Bible says there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. In verse number six, they were both righteous before God. You know what? It's possible to live godly in a godless world. It's possible to live holy in a heathen nation. And Zacharias and Elizabeth are case in point right here. They were experiencing difficulty, but they were still dedicated to serving God. Verse number six, they were both righteous. Now I'll tell you, I am thankful that I have known and you have known, I have known young people that turned out right when mama was godly and daddy was worldly. I'm glad that it's still possible. I have known people have turned out right when daddy was godly and mama was ungodly. I'm thankful that that's still possible. I've known young people that turned out right and mommy and daddy didn't go to church and mommy and daddy didn't know the Lord and mommy and daddy weren't right with God, but God used a grandparent or God used a Sunday school teacher or God used a youth pastor or God used a bus worker. So I know God can still work even when mommy and daddy are not right with God. I know that God can still work, but this right here is God's plan for both mommy and daddy to be righteous. It is God's plan for husband and wife to serve God. You can't put the responsibility all on the other. And I know I'm talking to folks here and folks that are watching and folks that are listening. It's not right for a dad to say, well, I'll let mama, I'll let her take care of uh, teaching the kids and training the kids. and I'll let mama take the kids to church or, or I'll just let daddy take the kids to church. No, we need both. Elizabeth and Zacharias, they were both righteous before God. They were dedicated to God. Can I tell you, it takes teamwork. It is God's plan and it is God's design for the home that husbands and wives both serve God. It is God's plan that mommy and daddy both serve God. It is God's plan to work together. I want you to notice in verse number six, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Now, I know this, I know this is, is very elementary, but if you're going to follow all the commandments of God, that means you got to know what they are, Right? Now, I know some people that, that bless their heart. Oh, I love the Lord, and I'm, I'm glad I'm serving God. Good. Well, guess what? If you read the Bible, you'll know what He wants. If you'll read the Bible, you'll know what He requires. And if we'll read the Bible, we can walk in all the commandments and all the ordinances of God. And don't, please do not, please do not come to me after the service and say, well, pastor, you know, we're living in the day of grace. We can just do whatever we want to. We don't have to follow any rules and we don't, have to, we don't have to worry about all that stuff in the Old Testament. 
I got news for you. You know what Jesus did when he came? He didn't destroy the law. He fulfilled the law. Jesus didn't throw the law out. He took the law and he built on top of it. I know we're under grace. I know we're not under the law. But I want to tell you, if we love him, his commandments are not grievous. If we love him and all he's done for us, we're not going to be sitting around saying, oh, it's so hard to be a Christian. Oh, so, so hard. I can't believe I, I have to read my Bible. Oh, this is so hard. Well, it's not so hard to read the paper. It's not so hard to read the novels. It's not so hard to read the blogs. Why is it so hard to read the Bible? Oh, I can't believe I have to pray. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, no. You don't have to pray. and You don't have to read the Bible. You get to, and I get to, and we are under grace. Not grace to do whatever we want, but grace to live for God and to love Him and to keep His commandments. The Bible says that they were both righteous, walking in all the ordinances, even in hard times, even when nobody else was doing it, even when Herod was the king, they said, doesn't matter to us because we're not following Herod, we're following God. Then it says they were blameless. That word blameless, it literally means there was no fault. There was no reproach. There was no blame. Nobody looked at Zacharias and Elizabeth and said, you know, those folks, they act one way when they're in the temple. They act one way when they're around the religious crowd, and then they act another way when they're on their own. You know what? They were blameless. They, they, they did not have reproach, and they did not have blame that people could stick to them. They were dedicated to God. They were righteous. Psalm 12, the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, I got news for you. We can do like Zacharias and Elizabeth and stay righteous, stay faithful, stay godly, stay dedicated to God no matter who's the king, no matter what the circumstances are. Number one, there was difficulty. Number two, I see dedication. Number three, there was disappointment. Would you notice in verse number seven, you would think that everything would go well for these folks because they were doing what God wanted. They were serving God. They were faithful. But verse seven says that there was disappointment says they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they were both now well stricken in years. What that means is not only did they suffer disappointment, but this was a long-term disappointment. This was a disappointment that didn't last a day or a week or a month or a year, but it lasted for years. And now they are both at the age, that word well stricken, it means they were advanced in years. That's a nice way of saying they were old. That was a very diplomatic way to put it by uh, uh, Dr. Luke here. They were well stricken in years. You got to put that in the next birthday card you send to some of your family members that are old. Say, oh, you're just, you're just very well stricken in years, you know. But this was a disappointment. This was something that they wanted, something that they hoped for, something that they longed for that they had not seen come to pass. The Bible says that Elizabeth was barren. She could not conceive. The Bible tells us that they were disappointed. I want to tell you that in life, you will be disappointed. And in life, I will be disappointed. I've been, been here now for almost seven years. It's hard to believe that. The Lord's been so good to us. And in some ways, it doesn't seem like that. In other ways, it seems like it's been forever, you know. But when I came, I know I said this when I came, and I know I've said this since I came. But I will guarantee you a couple things. One thing I'll guarantee you is that 
If you stay long enough at Victory Baptist Church, I promise you, I will disappoint you. Say, wow, pastor, that's a great thing to say. Thanks a lot. Well, it won't be intentional and I won't be trying to hurt you. Uh, we don't sit, and you can ask Brother Nathan and Brother Dan, and Brother Caleb might do this, but he's in, the, uh, he's in the junior church, you can ask him, but we don't do this, Caleb might, we don't. We don't sit around the office thinking, how can we, how can we irritate Brother Gray? How can we irritate Brother Edmund? What can we do to make their life miserable? What can we do just to get them good? No, as a matter of fact, it's the opposite. We sit in staff meetings, and we have prayer, and we say, what can we do to help? What can we do to serve? What can we do to be a blessing? But you know something about us that you already know, but I'll just remind you, is that we're human and we'll disappoint you. There'll be times where we'll let you down. There'll be times where we'll say something we probably shouldn't have said or times we don't say something that we probably should have said. We will disappoint. I promise you that it won't be intentional. But life is full of disappointments. Life is full of, of things that don't turn out like you and I think they should. But that's why you can't focus on people. That's why you can't focus on man. That's why your focus and your trust must be in God. And when you focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and when you keep your eyes on him, you'll never be disappointed. You'll never have a heartache or a heartbreak that God won't be there to say, hey, you're going through it, but you don't have to go through it alone. I will be with you even to the end of the world. Amen. Casting all your cares upon him for he careth for you. But there was disappointment for Zacharias. And Elizabeth, number four, I see quickly the duty. Notice verse number eight says, and it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot or his responsibility was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. His duty, uh, his responsibility, his obligation was to serve God as a priest. And here's what I love about it. He kept serving God, even when they went through disappointment, even when they faced difficulty, they stayed dedicated and they stayed committed and they had a duty to fulfill. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4 um, that we are to be instant, we're to be faithful in season and out of season. We're to be faithful when it's going good and we're to be faithful when it ain't going good. We're to be faithful when everybody loves us and we're to be faithful when nobody loves us. We must be faithful and committed to the Lord. Galatians 6, the Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't, don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Stay faithful even when you're weary. We have a duty. We have a responsibility to our family. We have a responsibility to our spouse. We have a responsibility to our children. But you know, you have a responsibility to your job. You say, well, I don't like my job. Okay, well, maybe not. Then find another one. But until you find another one, you have a responsibility. You have a commitment. I think, and this is my personal opinion, you may not agree with this. I think some people this last year, I think some people have used COVID as an excuse. I think people have used COVID to say, well, I don't have to do my job and I don't have to, and I'm not talking about being foolish. I just mean just doing your job. Uh, have, you, have you gone into any places of business and you're, and you're looking around and there's like, there's nobody there and except for the workers. There's nobody there except for the workers, but there's no desire to do the job. 
There is no desire to help the customer. And I think sometimes we can, in, in our lives, we can use that excuse. Well, you know, because of COVID, I don't have to be a good husband. Because of COVID, I don't have to be a good father. Because of COVID, I don't have to do this or that. No, friend, we have a responsibility to God. No matter if it's a pandemic or not, we have a duty to serve God. We have responsibility. Some during COVID, and I, I, my hat is off to you folks and so many in our church and so many businesses, but some people have taken a pandemic and they have turned it into good. Some have taken it to the next level. Some have risen above the status quo and said, hey, it might be going on like this and it might be like this, but I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to stay committed. I may not be able to come to church, but I can watch every service online. I may not be able to come to church, but I can listen to every service on the radio. I may not be able to come to church, but I can come sit in a parking lot and encourage God's people and be a part of my church family. And there are some who have taken it to the next level and said, there's some things I can't do, but there's a lot of things I can do and I will stay faithful and committed to my duty. Verse number nine, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Incense in the Bible represented the prayers of God's people. Now, we don't still burn incense. Some of you thought so Wednesday night when you came to the candlelight service, but we weren't burning incense. We were just burning candles, okay? Having a candlelight service. Uh, we, we don't burn uh, incense. We don't offer sacrifices. And we don't, we don't have uh, the Old Testament uh, worship and the traditions and the laws of the Jews like that. But can I tell you, we still worship God. And we may not burn incense in the church, but can I tell you what we do? We offer up prayers. And your prayers and my prayers are a sweet-smelling savor to Almighty God. God loves to hear you pray. God loves it when His people pray. I don't know if, if you have this in your home, but Joanna always has some kind of a candle or a, 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 a warmer or something. It always smells good. Don't you love it when something smells good? Don't you hate it when something doesn't smell good? You know what God loves? He loves it when His people pray. They were offering incense. Those were, were, were sacrifices that were offered to God that pleased God. The Bible tells us that some people in the Old Testament, some had started to offer incense to false gods. Not Zacharias. He stayed faithful in worshiping the one true God. He fulfilled his, his office. He fulfilled his duty. He burned the incense like he was supposed to do, and he stayed committed to God. Notice it says he went into the temple of the Lord. I'm so thankful that we can come to church and I, my heart breaks for those who cannot come and for those who are not able to come. But can I tell you, there ought to be a desire for the things of God. There ought to be a desire to worship God. And, and I understand you don't have to come, to come to church to worship God. I hope you're worshiping Him every single day at the home, at work, uh, in your car, in the yard, when you're out on a walk. I hope you're worshiping God. But there's something special about being able to assemble with God's people. That was God's plan for His church to assemble and worship Him. I see number five. I see the devotion. It's found in verse 10. It says, And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Now, most Bible scholars would say that this was either a Sabbath or this was a special feast because the fact that while Zacharias was in the temple offering incense, the Bible says that the whole multitude of people was outside the temple 
and they were praying. Now, I don't know if they were just going through the motions. I don't know if they were just doing it out of routine. I don't know. I'd like to assume that they were serious about prayer. I'd like to assume that they were hungry for God. I'd like to assume that they were begging God to show up. Keep in mind, this is the beginning of the New Testament, but there had been 400 silent years from the close of the Old Testament to the start of the New Testament where God had not spoken to his people. And I wonder if these people here in Luke chapter 1, I wonder if they were just pouring out their hearts to God and saying, God, we need to hear from you. We haven't heard from you in a long time. And God, our country is a mess and, and, and our homes are hurting and our, our marriages are desperate and God, we need you. I wonder if that's what their prayer was. I wonder if they were praying in anticipation for what God was getting ready to do. I'll tell you this, I am so excited about what God's going to do in 2021. And I don't know what it's going to be. I'll be honest with you, I don't know. Uh, we were talking about our calendar and, and, and planning for 2021. And there were some things we said, hey, let's plan this. We may not be able to do it, but hey, let's plan on it. And let's just pray and trust God. I don't know what God's going to do in 2021, but I believe God wants to do something great. I believe that God wants to work. I believe that God wants to speak. And I believe that God can if God's people would get serious about praying. And if God's people would get back on their knees and would say, God, we need to hear from you. We've heard so much from politics and we've heard so much from news and we've heard so much from the so-called experts. But God, we need you to speak. The Bible says... Verse number 11, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Can you imagine what that was like for Zacharias? He's just doing his job. He's just trying to be faithful to God. He's just trying to do what God's called him to do. And outside, everybody's praying. And on the inside, Zacharias is offering that incense like he had done so many times before. He was praying those prayers like he'd prayed so many times before, but this time, something different happened. This time, he sees in the temple, he sees an angel of the Lord. He showed up and he appeared to Zacharias and he said, I got a message for you, Zacharias. The Bible says in verse number 11 that the angel of the Lord was standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And I tell you, God shows up when God's people are faithful to do it His way. The altar in the Bible represents a place of sacrifice. The altar represents a place of dedication. An altar represents a place of prayer. An altar represents a place of service. And I, I tell you, I hope that you've got an altar somewhere. I hope you've got a place at your home where you kneel and you pray. I hope you got a place in your car as you're going to work or maybe a break room at the workplace where, where you can spend time with God and you can pour out your heart to God. And God showed up and appeared at the right side of the altar of incense. I see his devotion. Zacharias was devoted to God. He was devoted to seeing God and hearing from God. Then number six, I see in verse 12, I see the dread 
says when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. We're talking about that on Sunday nights, about having triumph over a troubled life. Here's Zacharias, and he was troubled. He was concerned. He was fearful because he sees this angel of the Lord. And keep in mind, God had not showed up like that for 400 years, and he was, he was caught off guard. God showed up, and God spoke. Brother Dan has been uh, teaching in Sunday school about the voice of God and listening to God. But I wonder how long has it been since God spoke to you? So, Pastor, I'm here at church, and I'm listening to the preaching, and I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're listening, and I'm glad for those that are tuning in, but I don't mean when was the last time you heard a preacher preach. I don't mean when was the last time you opened the Bible and you read some verses. But what I mean is, when was the last time that God spoke to you? When was the last time that God smote your heart? And God convicted you or God challenged you or God did something in your life. You said, this isn't just the average, ordinary, run-of-the-mill. This is something I know that God is speaking to me. When was the last time you got something out of your Bible reading? When was the last time that you knelt to pray and when you got up, you knew that you had talked to God and you knew that God had talked to you? God showed up. We see the dread. He was fearful. Verse 13, the angel said, fear not. The angel said, hey, don't be afraid, and here's why. Here's why you don't have to be afraid, Zacharias. He said, for thy prayer is heard. I'm so glad that God answers prayer. I'm so glad that when we pray, we're not praying to a God that is made of gold or a God that is made of wood or a God that is made of the hands of man. We're not praying to a sun or a moon or a stars, but we're praying to the God that created the sun, the moon, and the stars. We're praying to God who is the creator of all life. We are praying to the God who is sovereign over everything. And we may be fearful, but there's no need to fear when you know that God hears your prayer. He said, God has heard your prayer and your wife will bear a son and thou shalt call his name John. I see, lastly, number seven, it leads us to verse 14. I see the delight. The angel said to Zacharias, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Now, we always get excited about any birth. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's your family or somebody else's family or it's a church family or it's a neighbor. I mean, people get excited about births. That's something exciting. And that's something joyful. Uh, when someone passes away, there are tears and there are sorrow. But when new life is born, that is wonderful. And that's thrilling and there's joy and there's gladness. But this was not just any birth. This was a miraculous birth. This was a birth that men said would be impossible because Elizabeth was barren and uh, 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 Zacharias and Elizabeth were both, they were up in years, they were beyond the point of having children. And so this birth was miraculous. It was an answer to prayer. Verse number 37, I love this verse in Luke 1, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Can I tell you, you're facing a situation, I'm facing a situation that you think is impossible, and by man's standards, it is impossible, but not with God's standards, because God specializes 
in the impossible. And God did it for Zacharias, and God did it for Elizabeth, and God can do it for you. This was not only a miraculous birth, but this was a birth of the very man who would announce the arrival of the Messiah. John the Baptist is the one who would announce and say, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You see, I'm glad to tell you today that you and I, we can have joy and we can have gladness, and we can have rejoicing. Yes, it may be difficult. Yes, it may be hard. Yes, we may not understand it, but we can have joy because, hallelujah, there was a birth, not just the birth of John the Baptist, but there was a birth of Jesus Christ who came to be the way, the truth, and the life, and who came to give us eternal life, and came to give us abundant life and who came so that our joy could be full. I'm thankful for the delight. I'm thankful for the joy and gladness that all comes because of Jesus. Yes, it was John the Baptist's birth that they were talking about. But notice verses 15 and 16. Here's what makes John so important. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.